0: How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Yell in a Cell Pro Wrestling Podcast. My name is Zachary Weinberger, your co-host here with JP Acosta. JP, first of all, how's it going?
1: It's going great, man. Um, You know, it's been a really pretty fun week of wrestling. You know, we had Revolution on Sunday, and we'll get into it more, but it definitely had its highs and
0: lows. Yep, and it had its, its bangs and lack of bangs as well. Um, which we'll talk about, obviously. But hey, listen, it was fun. So this is where we're probably gonna do it. We usually do our usual week in review of every single WWE and AEW show at the end of the week. However, this time around, you know, we're gonna re- right write this episode you're watching and we li- listening to right now. We're gonna be going over the results of AEW Revolution this past Sunday, plus the the show afterwards that happened last night uh, on Dynamite. So we're gonna do two AEW reviews in one episode and just let us know how you guys want us to break up the episodes. You want it to be all WWE at the end of the week. You want us to do a raw show like the next, the next, you know, the next day or right afterwards, just let us know, but we're going to try a different thing now. But listen, like I said before, I went to rent revolution, got the shirt, you know, it's, it's, it's all, it's all good. Um, It was a fun event and I'm excited to go through it because it was an awesome show. Uh, Overall, again, like you said, had its highs, definitely had its lows. So let's just get right into it. Uh, starting off right now with the buy-in, uh, the buy-in match, we actually had our first of three surprises for the night in this match here. But Riho and Thunder Rosa took on Dr. Britt Baker. And Reba, who was supposed to be there, she couldn't wrestle because of injuries. So she she had the ability to pick her partner. And who was it? It was Maki Ito. Uh, and she came out a huge i would say out of the three surprises that happened that it was pretty, it was one of the loudest and i was very that's shocked
1: that's awesome dog uh was is definitely one of the more popular wrestlers like in the world right now because she's hilarious
0: she is and and like she did a really funny thing on dynamite yesterday which
1: we'll talk about in
0: a bit but she pretty much did the same thing she did her whole routine i was with my dad and Obviously, doesn't really know that much about Japanese wrestlers around the world, but he was just like, yeah, I like her because she was performing and she was doing all her stuff. Uh, it was it was really cool to see. Um, but, you know, not a bad match between these four. Pretty much at the end, we saw, you know, kind of Ito do her shtick like she always does in the matches. Um, but you know, they started off with a brief back and forth between Baker and Riho. obviously with Thunder Rosa being in there, Thunder Rosa and Brett Baker have been in a little bit of a spat, uh, recently, which we'll talk about again, more so on, on, on Dynamite a little later, but we move on to the end of the match where, uh, after a double head bud left by Riho and it's a reeling Baker tagged in, delivered an air raid crash for two Rose entered the match. And those two kind of went at it. Um, but, you know, when Rosa did the Death Valley driver right on on Britt Baker, Riho whipped Ito out of the ringside. But Reba got the crutch and hit Rosa right in the back of the head. Baker picked up the win for that. So uh, the heels win there. And I'm trying to remember who we picked for in this buy-in match. I think we picked the faces, I feel. Um, so our first, first you know, L of, of the night so far. But not a bad match, you know, for, for a buy-in show. I, I feel like that... I would have replaced this match with another tag team match later in the night, um, but still a pretty good match. What do you think, JP? Um,
1: I thought it was a solid match. Um, Maki Ito definitely got her time to shine in the match, which I think was the biggest reason for this. And it also continued the rivalry between Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa, which is arguably the biggest rivalry in the women's division since the inception of AEW. So it was good for what it, it did its job. You know, it advanced the rivalries and it showcased Maki Ito as being one of the best in the world.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And we definitely gonna see more for the future of AW as well. Um, but definitely not a bad match, like you said, pretty solid. Went on a little bit longer than, I, than maybe I would liked, but still pretty good. But this show starts off with a huge bank, uh, the tag team championship match, the Young Bucks versus Chris Jericho and MJF. Obviously, we both had the Young Bucks winning this. I would think I was the only one that wanted Jericho and MGF to win it. Um, who knew that, you know, their little tag team would end so, you know, so soon. But we'll talk about that again in a little bit. But this match, I, I was oddly surprised of how normal the Young Bucks played in this match. Um, it was still a really good match. The first half was definitely kind of ge- getting into that rhythm. That second half of that match was absolutely bonkers. And it was it got a huge reaction uh, from the crowd because it seemed like that you didn't know what was gonna happen. I was so sure the Young Bucks were gonna win this match, but MGF and Jericho they they made it seem like you know this can got, go either either way. Um, but obviously the Young Bucks do end up winning this match by setting up a series of super kicks to MGF. Literally MGF took like four super kicks or or more than that. It was hilarious. Um, and then same thing to Jericho, but then they finished Jericho off with the Meltzer Driver for the one two successful title defense. Uh definitely one of my one of the highlights of the night for me. I thought it was a great way to start up this this uh this pay-per-view. And but I was, again and like I said before, man, I really thought that maybe this should have been like a uh some sort of other stipulation with this maybe like a not even like a street fight because we got a street fight later in the night but like just something in no disqualification or, or just something like that. But still a really really surprisingly good match. You know, when you think of Chris Jericho and MJF together I would say that as a tag team, this is easily the best match they put on, uh, and maybe that's because they have the Young Bucks on the other side. But really, I mean, th- these four guys were great. What did you think of this one, JP?
1: It was a typical Young Bucks match. That's a that's a good thing. They they're very good performers, but this one kind of lacked that. You they kind of lacked that edge, you know, when they were fighting because leading up to it, it was like they're trying to get revenge for MJF and Chris Jericho beating up their dad and like leaving them bloodied and send them to the hospital. And you really didn't see that aggression from the Young Bucks until like later on in the match. So it was another good Young Bucks match. I just wouldn't say it was like, it was very, it was a Young Bucks match. Um, it felt less like a fight, more like, I'm not trying to get revenge for you blooding my father. And more like we're just defending the titles on a pay per view.
0: Yeah, I, I I have to agree there. Again, if they made this maybe certain sort of stipulation with this, because again, the only time that they really felt like they were getting revenge for their father was like they had a couple takedowns and just kept punching them in the face. And that was about it. You know, I, I don't know. Uh, again, I thought it was a really good match. That second half really made the match for me. It was an awesome way to start the night there. Uh, but the Young Bucks do end up winning and retaining their tag team champions. And obviously afterwards, I'll just cut to right now. We get a little bit of a, a backstage interview with Alex Marvez and Chris Jericho and MGF and the whole inner circle. And they pretty much say that change is coming to the inner circle. They're going to have a work council on Dynamite, which we'll talk about again. So uh, change is coming to the inner circle. We'll talk about it in a little bit. Uh, we move on to the second match of the night the tag team Casino Royale. It was bonkers. We both had Pac and Ray Phoenix winning this. And I think we both wanted Santana and Ortiz to win this. I didn't see, Listen, I didn't even think that the tag team championship match would go before this during the, during the, uh, the pay-per-view itself when the tag team championship match kind of went on first, I said to myself, you know, I don't think Santana Ortiz are going to win this now because it seemed like, you know, that intrigue of like, Oh, if Santana Ortiz win this. Maybe that'll affect the match later. It didn't. So, but pretty bonkers. And obviously you have pretty much three members of the three teams of the dark order here. You have the gun club, you have bear country, Peter, Pretty Peter Avalon, season Benini, the Out brothers. You had the Death Triangle. Uh, you know Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, just Natural Nightmares. A lot of the teams here. Do you think of any team Private Party? They're in there. But we move on to the final four here. The final four. I thought was very interesting. It was Johnny Hungies, John Silver. Okay, Jungle Boy. Which, by the way, real quick, I started the Johnny Hungies chant Re- Revolution. I felt so powerful. But that you had Jungle Boy, and then you had Death Triangle of Pack and uh, Ray Phoenix, and that final four was absolutely easily the best part of this match. Um, but it ended up John Silver getting eliminated, and Jungle Boy was one on two. Jungle Boy actually um, eliminates Pack, and Jungle Boy Phoenix had their own sort of mini-match in this, uh, but it ended up with Ray Phoenix um, eliminating Jungle Boy, and the Death Triangle win, and they get a shot at the AEW Tag Team Championships, they get a shot at the Young Bucks, uh, JP, thoughts on this chaotic match and the thoughts of a Death Triangle Young Bucks Tag Team Championship match?
1: Um, it was definitely chaotic. Um, I will say that. Jungle Boy really stood out. You know, it's clear. It's very obvious that they think he's a future star in AEW because every it seems like every tag team battle royal they have, Jungle Boy is like the last two, but he never wins. But honestly, Bear Country kind of stood out to me because they're like a true like powerhouse tag team that's something different from what they have in AEW so far. I mean, the biggest, like, size-wise tag team is probably FTR or Santana and Ortiz. And adding Bear Country to that mix, that would give them a, a bigger element in that tag team division, which I think they desperately need.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The thought, and
1: the thought of a Pac and Ray Phoenix against the Young Bucks match, the moves are gonna be absolutely insane. Like people are gonna go flying. I can't wait, honestly, can't wait to see it. It's gonna be absolutely insane. Um, it's for the best high flyers in the world. But the thing that separates Pac and Ray Phoenix from the Young Bucks is they make everything look like it hurts really bad. And so I'm excited to see how that plays into a uh, Matt and Nick Jackson's style.
0: Yeah, like you said, we talked about Bear Country a little bit. They got a huge reaction uh, from the crowd at Revolution. Good to see there, um, and I'm excited to see what again the future of Jungle Boy. i i want to see where they're going to go with this. Uh, again, he had that um, amazing match, obviously against uh, Dax Harwood, um, and on, on Dynamite, it was just kind of really people were like, okay, you know, now they're really going to push him. He's having these kind of really strong performances, not only in the tag team matches, but also like in this Casino Battle Royal. So it's good to see that as well. Um, and like I said, it was, it was predictable, but having Ray Phoenix and Pac, um, I don't see why they, they don't deserve it. It's interesting to see though that we'll not see you know him and Penta, you know, kind of t- challenge for the titles. Penta's gonna be involved a little bit later in the night. Um, but I'm excited to see him and four of the best uh wrestlers you could say right now in AEW minus a couple i um, excited to see it whenever that happens. And obviously on Dynamite, which we'll talk about a little later, Matt Jackson faces off against Ray Phoenix on the, the opening match of Dynamite, which we'll talk about in a bit. But Dead Triangle wins. We move on to the AEW Women's Championship match. Hikaru Shida taking, off, taking on Rio Mizunami here. And we predicted basically on the predictions pod, if you want to listen to it, I know the show already happened. If you want to listen to it, check it out. It's on the YouTube channel. It's on the, it's on the Anchor page, Spotify page, wherever you listen to, pl- to podcasts. Uh, we said that this could be a dark horse match of the night, and it ends up being pretty, pretty, pretty damn good. Um, I, I will say, again, you know, I will say that when it came to the crowd reaction during this match, pretty good. Um, and they were kind of going back and forth. There was Rio Chance, there was Sheeta Chance. Um, but these two delivered a gut-wrenching, hard-hitting match here, which resulted in Sheida retaining, which we were predicting, I pretty much never thought that Mizunami was going to be the one to take the title off of Sheeta, especially after uh, not really being officially signed, I guess, to AEW. And also, it's the longest reigning women's champ at the moment. And I don't think that they'll probably say that for a person, maybe either Thunder Rosa, probably Britt Baker. Um, but the, this match was absolutely hard-hitting, like I said before. Uh, we, go, we go to the end here, where those two were really going back and forth the whole time ryo kept hitting those uh, those atomic leg drops which is better than hulk hogan i would say um and i mean i know you agree for sure i
1: definitely agree
0: definitely agree um just when she does it it's absolutely great so we get uh, Sheeta rocking mizunami with a straight jacket suplex um but then mizunami gets straight gets right back up fired up as usual delivers a larry to the back of the head of Sheeta. Sheeta recovers does two falcon arrows but then she, you know, Mizunami cannot be, you know, going away like that. So the Ichiko with near falls, you really didn't know at the end who was going to win this. But Sheeta delivered another and But Miz- Mizunami barely rolls over the shoulder to prevent the defeat. One last shot from Sheeta, and she finally wins here. After the match, Nyla Rose, Vicky Guerrero, Britt Baker, uh, and Reba attack them. Until Thunder Rosa makes the save. Thunder Rosa comes out and all four of those all four of them run away. They are scared of one. Whatever. What do you think of the match and the afterwards?
1: Um, this was for my money. It was the best match. Like one-on-one, no stipulation. It was the match of the night. With no stipulation. Um, the intensity throughout this match. I'd argue it was the most intense women's match that AEW's had. And it's something special when you have two women's wrestlers who have chemistry with each other other, and just wrestling in general. If you have two people who are really familiar with each other in the ring, you can expect a great match to happen. And that's what we got here. I genuinely thought that Sheeta was going to win with that first running knee strike. I was like, oh, it's done. This is a great match. But then she kicked out. I'm like, oh, my God, this is phenomenal. And just the physicality really stood out to me. Um, I kind of didn't feel I wasn't feeling the aftermatch stuff. I kind of felt like she needed to stand tall, especially after that. But I guess it sets up the next dynamite show. But I feel like they could have done that like maybe after she like walks back to like the back and maybe do like a backstage interview or something. I feel like she needed that moment there after, you know.
0: Yeah, it, it, it was pretty set up again when they, when we saw those all of them in the ring at once, I said, okay, they're setting up a six-woman tag for Wednesday. It's pretty predictable. That's exactly what happens. Shida Ryu Mizunami uh, and Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker, Nyla Rose, and Maki Ito, they're going to go ahead and have a six-woman tag match in Dynamo, which we'll talk about. Um, So I'm kind of with you. The match, definitely one of the more hard-hitting matches that didn't have a stipulation of the night easily. I would say that even so that opening tag match was really hard-hitting, but this one with a one-on-one style Again, we, we talked about these matches that we love so much, about, like, they look like they're hurting each other. And this was pretty much the, the exact definition of that. Uh, shout out to them. They put on a show. Um, but we move on to the next match. Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor versus Miro and Kip Sabian. Um, easily, for me, anyways, the most, uh, the least hype match uh, of the night. Easily. Uh, I'm not really feeling it. this story at all. You know, I'm not really feeling Miro, which is... Sad to say, because I love, uh, love Rusev, I love the guy himself. I think they just need to give him a, a better, uh, kind of a better gimmick, cause he's like a gamer or whatever. But they attack Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor right before the match here, um, to kind of get the the advantage on them. Miro makes his entrance. He says, you know, play my music as he's like beating up Chuck Taylor. He comes out with Chuck Taylor. I'll, I'll, I'll beat up. He throws him in the ring, and it starts off as a handicap match. Starts off, um, with just Chuck Taylor and Kip Sabian and Miro just beating up on him. And then, obviously, Orange Cassidy comes in. He finally gets fired up here. Um, and Cassidy, Cassidy comes in and obliterates Miro with an orange punch. Um, but then, when Sabian was tagged in, they were kind of going at it for a little bit. Um, Chuck Taylor enters the match. He joins his partner. Um, and then Miro rocks uh, with a right hand as well. Miro looked very strong in this match. That's the one positive I will give this. At the end, though, you know Cassidy does his thing. He puts the hands in the pockets. He does the thing with Miro. Uh, he accidentally, uh, Miro accidentally wipes out Penel- Penelope Ford here. Uh, Miro shows a little concerned Instead of flattening Cassidy with a roundhouse kick, applying the accolade or the camel clutch, whatever you want to call it, for the win. And Miro and Chuck Taylor win this match. Miro looks incredibly strong. Uh, JP, thoughts on this match?
1: Yeah, Miro Kip Sabian won this. I feel like, uh, I guess Miro looks strong. I mean, that's really the one saving grace for this match. Um, I feel like he needs to move on from Kip Sabian already. Um, It's just not working for me. This whole thing with him being like the best man, it's not working for me. It just feels kind of like, I will not say completely wasting him, but I don't think it's the best use of Miro. You know, he could be like another like huge heel, on AEW, but he's kind of just messing around with Kip Sabian. Um, As far as Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor go, um, you kind of knew they were going to lose. I kind of don't want this whole thing between Kip Sabian, Miro, and Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor to uh, keep going. But, you know, this match was all right. It was – Miro looked good. So I guess it gets thumbs up.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was kind of it for me. The one thing I wanted... I mean, we both predicted that the heels to win here just because I think they, more so Miro needed to win here uh, to look strong, and he absolutely did. He put Chuck Taylor in the accolade at the end there. Um, it seems like we're not going to get the end of this. Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy could have promo and Dynamite talking about they won another match, and if they lose, Chuck Taylor becomes his butler forever. That's what he said. I don't know. But it seems like they're going to have a sort of an arcade-style match. I don't, we'll talk about when we get the dynamite, but we move on. Fine match, whatever. We move on. Big money match. Hangman Page versus Matt Hardy. Whoever wins gets the opponent's quarter one earnings here. Um, I will say this is kind of my second, second least hype match for me personally. Um, I was really hoping that Matt Hardy wouldn't win this. That's not what happened. Um, really, when, the, when it comes to matches involving Matt Hardy, especially one on one matches, uh, very slow, very stiff, you know, for me personally. But you, with Heyman Adam Page in there, it worked pretty well. Um, not a bad match. Kind of a better match than I expected. Heyman Page just come, comes out here with the win. Um, but we just talked a little bit about the end. Um, Hardy nearly had a countout victory um, as Page was kind of struggling to recover. Um, but, he, you know, he comes back in, and then Hardy continues the onslaught. He bring bringing Paige off the top of the rope with the power bump for two. Um, Paige builds some momentum with a moonsault, wiping Hardy out on the floor. Private party make their presence um, as Paige begins to kind of get the momentum going. Um, he pretty much wipes out Private Party. And who comes out? It's Dark Order making the save. Um, and wipes out Private Party as well. And then of course Hardy catches a buckshot lariat for the win there. So JP thoughts on the match itself. I know you, you especially are really feeling that the hangman and a page dark order stuff, and obviously we got a really nice little moment at the end there. So what did you, what did you think?
1: The match itself was fine. I mean, what are we expecting from 40-plus-year-old Matt Hardy with a robotic hip in 2021? Um, it was a Matt Hardy match, like you said. Uh, hangman looked really good. Um, I expect him to be the one to take the title off of Kenny Omega soon. Well, not soon, but like eventually. Um, I absolutely love the Dark Order stuff because it feels like a BTE segment coming over to AEW. Like for the longest, AEW had being the elite and it had AEW Dynamite. The two never mixed. But now you're kind of blending in those storylines with AEW and blending AEW Dynamite into BTE and now it creates that convergence of people who only watch BTE, and people who only watch Dynamite, and they're meeting at Hangman in the Dark Order, which I think is a really fun storyline because the people involved are hilarious. You know, it's just the funniest thing ever. So, it gets a plus for me for the story that was told within the match, but I definitely enjoyed most of the stuff after than like anything throughout the match itself
0: yeah i mean like i was saying like you were saying again just piggybacking off of that it was fine fine match you know i'm the right person Won for sure i'm glad they didn't have Matt hardy kind of swore of us and have a win there hangman page needs that we think that he's gonna you know people especially me feel like a hangman adam page huge huge push especially for that big titles coming there sooner rather than later he needs to get as many wins as possible we'll see where he goes from here it seems like it's not ending looking at the events of dynamite Again, we'll talk about it, but him and Adam Page does beat Matt Hardy uh, and gets the quarter one of his earnings. It was funny, though, seeing Matt Hardy kind of put on Twitter, kind of apologizes to his wife about, you know, losing all that money. Good stuff there. We move on to the face of the Revolution ladder match. Whoever wins gets a future TNT championship opportunity, uh, and they actually have to grab the brass ring. No, seriously, they actually have to grab the brass ring.
1: So that was so corny. Like, grab the brass ring. That's corny, especially the way they made the brass ring look. That made it even worse. But, you know, it's just corny.
0: Yeah. Um, This is what I thought. Because I was, you know, they kept emphasizing in the kind of the video package before of Cody saying, who's going to grab the brass ring? He said it like 10,000 times. And then they put a ring up there that looks like, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, the rings you collect there. And. I got to be honest. It was kind of cringe. It was kind of cringe. Well, whatever. Um, I see people kind of saying it was clever. I I don't know. It was fine. Whatever. It's definitely different. That's for sure. Um, But we get our second or third surprise here. The the opponents in this match. Penta, Lance Archer, Cody Rhodes, Max Caster, Scorpio Sky. And then the sixth person who was revealed to be all ego, Ethan Page. uh, Karate man, whatever you want to call him. Excuse me. Two different people. I'm sorry. um but Ethan Page good to see him I mean listen I think they're gonna do a lot of good things with him he's a definitely a great talent there good to see him there well, what, what did you think of that reveal
1: I I love Ethan Page his promos are great he's a great person he's definitely been grinding the way to get that opportunity um I'm glad that he's in AW not only because of the person but he's another heel addition to the uh roster and you know Tony Khan I think said it after uh revolution was over in the media scrum that they're Kind of looking for another heel after uh, Brody Lee passed away, so Ethan Page could possibly fill that role of another heel, being kind of in that TNT title chase, but also maybe going towards the main title as well.
0: Yeah, and again, when we were predicting our uh, on the prediction show, who did you say?
1: I said Warhorse, and the funny War thing Horse. about that is, 20 minutes before the show, Warhorse posted a photo of him at an airport in Indianapolis, Indiana saying he's probably not going to be there. And I was like, dang it. Cause there goes my pick.
0: Yeah. That would been cool to see though. I, I, I did say, I did say Ethan page. Um, cause I thought his time in impact was done. So it seemed like maybe you know, the likely option is what happened. So it was good to see him. Uh, you know, people at first didn't know who he was, but then they saw him and then people got really excited. So uh, a pretty fun match here. Uh, just kind of going over the highlights a little bit here. Caster, he uses his boom box his advantage here. Um, we see a really brutal spot with Penta doing a Destroyer on Cody Rhodes oh. on the ladder, and I remember when that he was setting that up. I had to take a video of that. I did. I watch it all the time. It's just an amazing spot. Um, he does that, and obviously we'll see that how that develops on Dynamite uh, with those two. Um, it, it was just great stuff. We see Max Casher do a really beautiful elbow on the ladder. Uh, But because of that destroyer, though, that Penta did on Cody, he has a problem with his shoulder. He gets checked up by medical experts. He has to leave. Uh, He's definitely gone for the rest of the match, right? He he, he has to. Definitely gone. No, of course not. He comes back in. He takes his belly whip. He whips everybody with it. Um, But uh, other things that happened here, Scorpio Sky does a mean frog splash. Uh, I think it was on Ethan Page as as he was on a ladder.
1: I think it was on Max Caster.
0: Was it Max yeah, Caster?
1: And that frog splash was absolutely brutal. Like it was every- brutal. It was
0: beautiful. Like it was, so- it was. It was absolutely amazing.
1: amazing. Like absolutely. Like insane. I think, uh, Ethan Page hit uh, Scorpio Sky with a crucifix bomb onto the ladder, and I was like, oh Jesus! And you know, Lance Archer's in the match, so you know people are going to like get thrown around. So, just every time a ladder matches some crazy spots happen.
0: Absolutely. And especially when he started the match, Lance Archer just got a ladder, just started literally hit everybody with it. Uh, again, a really f- fast paced uh, ladder match here as well. But as, as we see Rhodes kind of make his way back to the ring, like I said, whipping everybody into sight, he scaled the ladder, excuse me, but Lance Archer meets him at the top. He delivers a massive suplex to Cody Rhodes. And then we see Castro that claim to fame, elbow drop. That's what he calls the claim to fame. elbow drop on Cody Archer, unloads on his opponents. He chokeslams everyone in sight. He delivers a blackout to Caster on the ladder. Oh, awesome! God. Awesome! 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 Um, Paige, he stops Archer from climbing the ladder. He delivers a low blow to him and flattens him with a razor's edge. Impressive. Uh, Jake Roberts comes in the ring and he does a clothesline right on the Ethan page, the crowd and me were like, yes, yes. You know, it was great. And then Penta just drop kicks him right in the face. Um, <laughs> and the, and then the crowd booze, uh, Rhodes delivers a Cody cutter. Um, but Penta recovers and then, uh, he hits, uh, Cody with a chair on his arm on the injured arm. And then Scorpio sky blast, uh, Penta with the same chair, and as Sky Sky is climbing, he's about to reach where Cody comes up. But Sky slams Cody's arm into the ladder, and he, Cody falls off. He retrieves the brass ring, and he is, he wins. He will challenge Darby Allen for the TNT title on Dynamite on Wednesday. Uh, thoughts on the match, JP as a whole? Thoughts on Scorpio Sky winning?
1: Um, the match itself was a very typical ladder match. It was very fast-paced, brutal spots. Um... I think I liked everyone in the match. Um, Max Caster honestly surprised me with his performance in the ladder match. I didn't think he would be that caliber of performer, but he certainly showed that to me. Um, I was honestly genuinely surprised that he uh, came out looking that well. Um, Ethan Page, like we said, a great addition. He looked great in the match, but the right person did win. I thought like Scorpio Sky needed to win that match more than anybody else on that um, in that ladder match and he ultimately did end up winning and it set up a pretty, it set up a pretty good um, title match between him and Darby Allen. So it was really fun. It had the high spots that you're looking for in a ladder match. And again, the right, the right person won.
0: Yeah. I was, I was, I was thinking that Lance Archer would take it because I think that a Lance Archer Darby Allen match would be really cool. Um, we got Scorpio Sky. Not mad at it, especially the way that uh, the events happen on Dynamite on Wednesday, which, again, we'll talk about that championship match. Uh, But speaking of Darby Allin, they have a cinematic match. But before we get to that, right before they they started that, we get our final reveal. Who is the Hall of Fame-worthy talent signing with AEW? Everybody's been saying it's shocking. It's crazy. No one's going to expect it. Who is it? It's Christian Cage. Christian comes out. He does the peeps thing. You know, he's looking to the crowd. He does stuff like that. He gets the contract. He signs the contract. Gets into the ring. He does the peep thing again. um, And then puts the contract on the floor. And then leaves. And that's it. So, uh, JP, before I give my thoughts on it, thoughts on Christian Cage signing with AEW. Did you feel it was an underwhelming surprise? Because I know a lot of that was a big talk about it. What did you think?
1: I didn't think it was underwhelming. I genuinely was shocked. Because... When I saw Christian Cage, I'm like, no, it can't be Christian. Like Christian Cage, it can't be, he was just in the Royal Rumble. And then it was him. And I'm like, wow, he went from the Rumble to AEW Revolution. And I'm honestly, I was honestly surprised. Um, Hall of Fame worthy talent. Yeah, they were right. Because there are so many discussions of like, you know, Christian should be in the Hall of Fame. And he should. Um, But this is definitely a move Christian is making because... He's got something left to prove. He's the one, one prove he's still got it. And honestly, I can't blame him. I think this would be a great place for him. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see where this goes. You know, Um, I thought it was going to be Kurt Angle, but Kurt Angle kind of trolled all of us with those videos. I don't know what they're for now. Thinking back in context of it, but I think Christian is a really good addition to AEW.
0: Yeah, so I so I remember those videos he posted. Kurt Angle posted a second one, and it was just teasing his podcast, the return of his podcast. So, wow, uh, thanks, thanks, Kurt. But I I was shocked too, just because we were literally talking on the show, like, oh, I can't be Christian because he he just signed a contract with WWE. That's what the report said. Not true. Um, he signs a multi year deal with with AEW here. A uh, huge Christian fan. Listen, I, I when I was a kid, I hated Christian so much, so much. When I, especially when I played the old games uh and but he was he was just that good as a heel he's an amazing tag team wrestler one of my favorite feuds i would say you know before i got out of wrestling and then got back into it was him and Randy orton when they were trading the world heavyweight championship christian that was yeah that was pretty much Pete christian for me especially in the wwe he was great there he's been a part of wwe great stuff um obviously in tna made an impact there he was huge there as well coming to AEW, man listen uh, I don't mind it and of course people are saying oh aew is becoming a place that the aew fans don't want it to become because they they're getting these older guys coming in and doing stuff i'm like I don't know man like well why why are we complaining this guy he proved in the Royal rumble that he could still go you know um but also looking back at the Royal rumble when he hugged edge and that's kind of like the last time that actually you know I was just like oh man oh, that's sad that's actually sad because I guess maybe at the time he knew he was leaving. I don't know. Um, but the, listen, the amount of dream matches I can think of right now, one that I had seems like it's coming true, which we'll talk about uh, later in Dynamite, but they revealed that we're going to hear from Christian on Dynamite. So uh, the signing of Christian Cage, I mean, listen, I feel like it's kind of similar to what's happened, what happened with WandaVision, right? If you watch WandaVision. <laughs> okay. I hate to bring up th- my nerd pod. Check out the NerdPod, NerdPod2 on Twitter. Um, the people had such high expectations of who was going to be the reveal character at the end of of, of the end of Doctor Strange, Magneto, whoever it was, and because it was not no one, really, pretty much no one, or it wasn't a bigger reveal, people said, "Oh, it sucks because my expectations were so high." People thought that CM Punk or Brock Lesnar was going to show up on Sunday. Okay, alone. <laughs> so, I So not want to wrestle anymore. So, but even not even him, like people were expecting a guy like Brock Lesnar to maybe show up, but like because they're saying it's a shocking surprise, it's a Hall of Fame worthy talent again. Maybe listen, obviously, does Christian reach the level of those two guys? I don't know. Okay, I guess because of popularity, not so really. So, that's what people were kind of underwhelmed, maybe. But listen, man, Christian, he deserves every type of respect. That guy needs the respect right now. The guy is an absolutely amazing performer. He's shown it time and time again in any promotion he's been in. And right now, he's in, the, he's kind of, again, um, he can still go. He's in his last sort of run, possibly. And I don't know why sh- shoot me right in the main events. You I don't care. I want to see Christian go up against Kenny Omega, just kind of oh. showing off what happens, you know, on Dynamite. So I, I like the signing. Uh, I think he's going to do a lot of great things.
1: I loved it. Um, The thing, like what you were saying with comparing to WandaVision, I totally see it and I definitely agree. Also, finish WandaVision, it was really good. Um, The thing about it is wrestling fans need to start thinking with their heads and not their hearts. I know in your heart, you want CM Punk to come back. You wanna hear the culture personality, him coming out to the ring, cutting promos. CM Punk versus Kenny Omega, you think of that match and you think it'd be amazing but I'm here to ruin your dreams. He does not want to wrestle anymore. Why do we keep making him think, why do we keep thinking that he wants to wrestle? He doesn't want to wrestle anymore. If he did, he would have been back already. He don't want to be here. And then with the Brock Lesnar thing, that was like a near 0% chance of Brock Lesnar jumping from WWE to AEW. That man does not want to wrestle. <laughs> Cause if he did, he would have been back at WrestleMania fighting with Bobby or Drew right now. But he's not. He don't want to be there. So please use your heads. I know that in your heart you wanted to see CM Punk versus like John Moxley. You know we wanted that. You wanted to see Kurt Angle. I wanted to see Kurt Angle. We have to start thinking with our heads man because this is not we can't keep doing this because we're going to hype it up all the way up here. And then we're not going to give Christian the respect he deserves. Christian is a Hall of Fame talent. Like, if you think about the accolades, multi-time WWE tag champion, European champion, I believe, U.S. champion, world champion, Intercontinental champion. I think it was ECW champion at one point. TNA champion. He's a Hall of Famer. And I think when we say Hall of Fame, we immediately went to, let me see Punk, Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle. But Kurt Angle's already in the Hall of Fame. Christian is rightfully deserving of that spot. So like under hyping Christian being back wrestling full time is a disservice to Christian, honestly.
0: Yeah, I mean, I maybe we we maybe looking back on it, Kurt Angle wasn't the right move just because they said Hall of Fame worthy, and he's already in the Hall of Fame. Um, so I mean to me Christian's a no question Hall of Famer. No question about that. Um, but really, like you said you know, you ask, you're asking a very high thing to do, JP, of asking wrestling fans to think with their heads, because it's just not apparent in the wrestling, in the IWC, Um, so wrestling fans, listen, I, I've been a lot, I'm a part of a lot of fan bases, okay, and wrestling has to be up there with like one of the dumbest <laughs> okay <laughs> what, what, what one of the just most irrational fan fans so dumb okay
1: part of that dumb so
0: yeah and i'm not gonna tell you that i'm like the most rational fan okay so- however i will say just real quick i will say that i'm definitely more rational than a lot of people out there
1: i was hyping myself up on kurt angle so i am a part of that dumb you can call me dumb for thinking that, but I'm a part of that dumb community. But that means I get to call you dumb too, internet wrestling community. We are dumb. You have to use your head.
0: <laughs> um, it, it, it was just funny. So again, congrats to Chris Listen, it's going to be great. Um, I think besides, because again, uh, the reports that they've he, done, he just he wants to wrestle. He wants to wrestle a lot. So let him do it. When he has a lot of gas in the tank, I mean... Again, the dream matches and AEW with the roster—it's—it's it, so—it's so vast. You can do a lot of stuff with it. We move on to the street fight of Sting and Darby Allen versus Team Taz of Ricky Starks and Brian Cage, and of course, they played this live. They played this on the big screen while they were constructing the ring for the main event. So obviously, you, you knew it was going to. And listen, JP, you were you were a little nervous about this match, right? Because. Mm-hmm obviously Sting is 61, 62 years old, 61, I think. And you know, if this was a live match, this would have been a little bit weird. Cause again, he has a lot of injuries in the past, whether it be dealing with the spine with dealing with the neck, you know, dealing with the back. So you're very worried about this, but cinematic, you can get away with that since he's an older guy. So, I mean, this takes place in like an abandoned warehouse with a ring in it. Okay. And the way that they enter uh team Taz, they go like in a truck, but you know, um, it's, you know, it's fucking Sting is he's in a truck. He's in Darby's in a skateboard. He's holding on to the back of it. This was like a music video, okay, at the start of it. It was honestly great. And here's the thing I, that people were talking about on the internet that I didn't witness, obviously, because it was I was there live. The commentators were commentating on this, yes,
1: they were commentating during the match, which it really, I didn't mind it. I didn't, like, pay attention to the commentary as much. But it did, like, it was in the back of my head. I was like, why are they commentating during this? It it feels weird that you're commentating, like, on a street fight that's not happening right in front of you. But I guess, like, I don't know. It just didn't make sense, like, looking back on it now. But I didn't really pay any mind to it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I could see. I remember I had trouble with that during the the uh, the match that Matt Hardy and Guevara had that cinematic match, where like they were talking over it, it was just kind of like whatever. I think that's why I enjoyed it more than most people. I guess the street fight because again I didn't hear the commentary. It was like watching a movie, man, with, with people around me. You know, it's like I was watching like a Christopher Nolan esque movie here. The, the you know the cinematography was great, but the way this obviously they start in the ring. Sting throws Darby on right at the competitors start of the, start of the match. A great way to start off the match. I don't get me wrong there. But obviously, right now, it's kind of like Darby is paying attention to, to Brian Cage and Sting's paying attention to to uh, Ricky Starks here. They both go at it. Um, Sting is absolutely dominating Ricky Starks. And it, it comes to a point where Ricky Starks says, Oh, you need that bat to, to, to beat me. But Sting throws his bat up in the air to like a little hole, which is used for later. Uh, he's like, I'll save that for later. Throws it up. Uh, Brian Cage and Darby Allen. And we like we predicted, even in the cinematic match, Darby Allen just got, was just, <laughs> gonna, just, thrown around destroyed by brian cage um it came to a moment where will hobbs actually came in and was beating up darby brian cage and will hobbs throw darby through a window pane oh my oh my oh my god um it was great i remember one time brian cage throws darby until into a door he power slam, power bombs it through a door he's taking all the trouble there um But Cage hits him with a vertical suplex as well. They walk a flight of stairs. He drops into a trash can. can. Um, He recovers. And then also Hook is there. Don't get me wrong. Hook also gets a couple shots into Allen there. Um, And then Sting kind of gets into play here. Cage blasts Sting with a shovel. uh, And then, you know, he was in peril. But Allen recovers. He tossed him the black baseball bat. And they pummel on the guys. Um, And then... It comes to a moment where they're like, there's like a a uh like a little hole. They're like on a second floor maybe, and there's like some wood on there. Man, Darby Allen does a coffin drop off of that into into was it Brian Cage maybe yeah. on there, and obviously left in the ring it's Sting and Starks. Uh, Sting looks for a stinger splash on Starks. He misses though. Starks answers with a spear near fall. The fa- uh, by the way the fact that there's like a ref there i just find that hilarious um well, that
1: just chilling just sitting there like okay whenever y'all want to get into a ring now
0: yeah please come c- you know you you need to pin here also uh at the beginning there was like these uh sting Darby allen like little goons that kind of had like the like the face paint of both of them on the people kind of cool brian cage just wipes all of them uh, in the beginning though <laughs> uh but at, at, at the end there, Sting recovers. He reverses Starks, delivers a Scorpion Death Drop for the wing. Sting and Allen win this. And that's, that's the street fight. I thought it was awesome. Personally, for me, what, what did you think?
1: It looked like they filmed this in, like, Gotham. I thought it
0: was
1: right. awesome. um, It was a perfect match for Sting. You know, I was worried that they were going to have him like out there taking a whole lot of bumps in like a live street fight. But because they did this cinematically, it allowed for Darby Allen to take a lot of the heat off of uh, Sting not being able to do a bunch of bumps or his neck will turn into like Swiss cheese. Darby Allen and I think multiple people have made this comparison, but I see it a whole lot. He's like Jeff Hardy. And it's so similar in terms of, they are willing to put their bodies through anything and everything to get the point across him going through that window pane was absolutely insane it wasn't anything that i would have thought of him jumping off that window into brian cage who was like gotta be at least like two stories below him that was awesome to see um nobody came out looking terrible and that's the thing everybody benefited from it ricky stark's is gonna be a star brian cage is laughably strong like i was just laughing as he like had Darby Allen in that vertical suplex and held him going up the stairs and then threw him on a trash can. And I'm just like, how do you think of that? You're just like, yeah, I'm strong. I'm gonna do strong people things (laughs) and just walk up a flight of steps with another person in a vertical position. It's just insane, but this was a really, really good cinematic match. Um, I wouldn't say it's the best cinematic match of this pandemic period this pandemic era and we can get into that maybe on a separate show but these cinematic matches need to keep happening in wrestling even when fans are back keep them because they're awesome it allows creativity to basically roam free you know after um after the show ended Darby Allen basically said like um the cinematic match was his idea and all the stuff that happened he had a huge part in production and it was like filming a movie and I'm like that's perfect like keep doing that it allows you to stretch the creativity a lot further.
0: Yeah, it, I I agree. They they should just keep it. Um, e- and like you said, even when fans back. Um, because again, you can get a, you can get away with that if you want to. Even though it would be great to see Sting back in the ring. Um, obviously sometimes you know again he's like you said the injuries history is just too vast for him to be in an actual tag team street fight. So I mean they can keep doing it. As for being one of the you know the best cinematic match pandemic period i will agree that it isn't um and maybe we have the same one i don't know um but it it was definitely really good it was better than a lot of them we've seen um so good for me for sure i'll just say my favorite one so to me personally at the moment so far i i personally for me i would have to go the firefly Funhouse. uh is that yours too that's mine That yeah, that was pretty good because people picked the Boneyard. I liked the Boneyard. I thought the Firefly Funhouse was way more creative, in my opinion. It was was more
1: creative, and the people in it that was actually acting. Yeah. Along with wrestling. The Boneyard match was just like Undertaker beating up the the club at that point.
0: Right. Yeah. So, again, it it was great. And this, again, the cinematic match, no complaints for me. It was great watching that live, especially as they're constructing the ring. Speaking of which, we get to the main event, the exploding barbed wire death match. Kenny Omega defending his title against John Moxley here. The ring is absolutely insane. There's barbed wire on the ropes on the outside. There's, I think Kenny called it the three stages of hell there. Um, got some barbed wire paddings on the floor. The ref comes out. He's like in a beekeeper hazmat suit type thing. Um, you know, God bless him. And they come out. Moxley comes out. He and, he, and when, it, especially when Kenny Omega comes out, he comes out in that t-shirt, uh, that exploding barbed wire death match t-shirt, which I bought. I, 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 it's great, awesome t-shirt. We'll get to the end, whatever. Let's get to the match. Um, because I, I, I really want to talk about that ending. <laughs> um, but again, the I was super hyped for this match. Um, I've seen a couple exploding barbed wire death in the lead up to this. I'm like, oh my god, if it could be like that. If you can get an explosion like that at the end, this would be an amazing match. The match itself was awesome. Nothing really to complain about here. We'll go through it. Pretty much the, the start of this, and like to every exploding barbed wire death match, it was kind of like a test of strengths of who can throw the per- person at the barbed wire ropes. Uh, and, and actually Omega got the advantage and, and actually did it on Moxie to start it off. And it was absolutely crazy. Uh, when he threw it to when he did that to him. Um, but let's, we'll talk about the match there afterwards. Uh, the, the lower leg Moxley was nursing throughout the whole match. Uh, Omega immediately targets it. Um, he does a figure four on Moxley. Um, Moxley answers by grabbing a wire, a wire wrapped chair and sawing away at the leg of Omega. This leads to, they go to the outside there uh Moxley, you know, he brings in the weapons as well, uh, with that as well. And then Omega tried to go for a snap, drag, dra- snap drag and snap dragon. Moxley fell out of it. He sent the cleaner into a barbed wire board, cracking it a half his barbed wire boards on the corner of the ring. Uh, Mo- it- Omega actually hits a moonsault um with- for-, for a two count. Uh, Moxley sent Omega into the wire twice I <laughs> think, two explosions. Um, Moxley sent Omega into another wire board, driving him down to a surplus of his own. He wrapped a wire around his own arm, Moxley did, and tried to go for a clothesline, but he ate a Snapdragon and then another Snapdragon. Uh, Omega rocks him with a V-trigger, but Moxley delivered a lariat to that. Um, awesome match here, really. Um, Omega drove moxley into the ropes again another explosion before selling explosives effect on his eyesight you moxley was like he he had like a thing he was like swinging the bat even though he couldn't even see um and then we finally see the one of the stages of hell on the outside be used moxley delivers a paradigm shift on omega onto the the stage of hell both of them i mean you could say that omega definitely got more of the brunt there but still i mean moxley is just in pain and explodes. It's great. Um, we get back in the ring. Moxley uses a spool of barbed wire uh, around his ropes, and again on Omega, he did a pile driver on him. And then the commentary team was talking about the the countdown to the ring. Apparently, in here, obviously, live we didn't. We, we heard noises of the countdown, but we didn't actually see it on the screen. I um, know a couple more V-triggers from Omega. He did a one-winged angel on Moxley. I thought it was over. This is the best rope break I've ever seen in my life. Moxley uses a rope break. He gets his leg on the, on the ropes, but the ropes explodes. But it's a rope break nonetheless. Um, so good stuff by him. Um, but who comes out? It's the Good Brothers. They come out. They make the save. They give it Omega an exploding barbed wire bat that he used could not keep him down. Omega sets up the chair and delivers a one-winged angel on head first onto the chair. One, two, three. Omega wins. Omega and the good brothers to keep laying it on him until we see finally the countdown clock. Eddie Kingston has, came out, and he's like, he pushes away the guys. He comes into the ring. He's trying to wake up Moxley because he's out. Uh, the countdown goes down five. Four, three, two, one. Mox Eddie Kingston covers Moxley because it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a big explosion. It's gonna kill them. Sparklers on fourth corners. A little bit of an explosion on the outside. And that's it. Um, so bad, horrible explosion. Though at the end, Eddie Kingston is selling the F out of it. He is passed out. We see officials come in the ring. And they're checking it up on him. Again, Kingston's passed out. Omega's, you know, now Omega Moxley is is on the floor. We actually see Cody. I don't know if the if the live feed called this, let me know. We see Cody kind of on the uh, the ramp, kind of looking onwards. I, I noticed that as he was looking on, maybe seeing if it was okay or not. Um and then afterwards, you know, Moxley kind of gets up. Kingston's fine. Uh I guess the, the feed was cut off at this point, but he, the
1: feed he got cut off. As they were tending to uh, Kingston and Moxley. We didn't get to see uh, Cody on the ramp.
0: Okay. And then, so I'm guessing you guys also didn't see what Moxley said afterwards. I guess those was released a little later.
1: Oh, they, they posted on like YouTube and Twitter, and that's how I found out.
0: All right, cool. So, yeah, so, so uh, being that, that I was there live, he, he definitely got the mic, and he said, you know, I, I, you can't even walk. He's, like, stumbling. He's on the ground. He just, like, you know there's one thing we know we know that kenny omega is a tough son of a bitch but he can't make an exploding ring worth the shit he says that he also says like again that you know um he you know that he's gonna get pissed effing drunk after this uh he thanks the fans for coming out he's saying that you know sorry for the terrible explosion and whatever so before we get to the i want to talk about that post-media thing that tony Khan did about the uh, explosion afterwards but let's get to you jp thoughts on this thoughts on the main event
1: this was awesome. I I hate to sound cliché, but it was awesome, man. Um, as someone who's not really that heavy into death matches, I have a very uh, light stomach. Blood like that makes me queasy. This death match was really fun, and it was really cool. You know, they paid homage to the death matches of old. You know, even with Moxley coming out with the Osuchio Nita uh, style jacket. Um, you know. Paradigm shift through the um, the one of the stages of hell was so cringe not cringe is in bad like cringe is oh my god I could feel that and they beat each other to a pulp man a bloody pulp um, the spot where I think Moxley sent Kenny into the uh, ropes face first then sent him back first I was like oh Jesus this match was every bit as physical and intense as I wanted it to be. Um, You know, the Good Brothers getting involved in the end, you know how I feel about the Good Brothers. They're not great. They're not terrible. They're kind of just there. So I think they didn't add much to the story or to the match, in my opinion. But otherwise, it was a phenomenal match.
0: Yeah, I listen, I, this is the one match I was looking forward to. I you know, again, I'm a huge fan of these hardcore style death matches. I'm A huge fan of those. Um and to me this is pretty much exactly what I got. Again, it was like you said physical. These two th- this was the exact type. This was a perfect match type for these two because they were pretty much in a blood feud at this point. Um and those two, they 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 did just they performed it so well. And again, all the spots dealing with the barbed wire and the exploding ropes, even the stuff in the corners, the three stages of hell on the outside, it was all perfect. And especially having Moxley kick out of the one-winning day by putting his foot on the exploding rope. It was, just, it was just awesome touches that they had throughout the match that made it so much more enjoyable, especially to watch live. Uh, seeing the fans' reaction it just made it so much better. Having the good brothers in there, I whether it's the good brothers or people that I enjoy more, I really didn't think they needed to be in this match, you know, especially involving having to beat up Moxley to get Kenny Omega the win. I, cause I feel like, again, it's like Kenny Omega doesn't need, doesn't need to rely on the good brothers to win a match. We know how good Kenny Omega is. He's one of, you know, he's arguably the best wrestler in the world. Um, but again, if they would have just gave him that bat and then they left, that would have been fine. So I didn't think that they need, they needed hit those two in the match. As far as the explosion at the end, um, it was bad. It was bad. Okay.
1: <laughs> Underwhelming. You know, that's, they built it up super high. The ring's going to explode after 30 minutes. And then it kind of just, like, I, I saw bigger explosions at Disney World. You know, that's, that's just how yeah. it is, man. I kind of understand a little bit. There's kind of a, well, you know, they didn't want anybody to actually die. So, I kind of get it. But at the same point, you can kind of toe that line. <laughs> here, 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 here's okay.
0: the thing with me. Yeah, Here's the thing with me when it came to that. So, obviously, I'm not going to say that I was gypped out of my money of being there live. It was an amazing event. And the match itself, like, it, it was absolutely fantastic. Really, it's really up there. I like I, I was looking at my list earlier of, of my favorite matches of the year. Uh, it's easily top three. I just love it. It's, it's my type of match. Those two guys being in there, it was great. Um. The ending explosion, I, 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 sadly, I factored that into my match rating, even though it's technically post-match. Um, it's just, you know, again, I got, I have my camera out. When the time was going, I'm like, I have to record this. And the fact that Eddie Kingston came out, these former rivals, we know that they're friends uh, even before, but Moxley and him, they had an awesome rival heading into full gear, a great Iquit match there as well. And the fact that he came out to save his friends, it was so powerful I, was like, I popped when he came i'm like yes he's trying to save he's trying to save moxley and he's covering him kind of like what Onita did to terry funk in 1995 it was it was it followed all those kind of things uh and then we had that, that explosion and i was you know i was just like okay and you could see in that video which popped off on twitter on the LNSL the account which is great to see uh the the reaction from the fans around me they i mean they booed they're like what's that and I, even myself you can hear me the video kind of saying like is that it is that really it? i thought it was gonna be like you have the sparklers You'll have a little explosions, and then it just like blows the whole thing over. Didn't happen. So let's talk about what happened at the post-media kind of conference for Tony Khan. He did the whole thing there. Very conflicting messages. We didn't know if, uh, to me, my first thought, it was a dud. You know, it, it was not supposed to happen like that. But the way that Tony Khan was talking, he was pretty much making it seem like Kenny Omega, it was planned for the story that he built a faulty ring because he doesn't know how to make, you know, an exploding bar bar death match or whatever. But then he said, yeah, it was good to use that as an out. Okay, Tony. So what are you you trying to tell us here? And then Dave Meltzer reports that Kenny Omega was furious after the match. So I'm going to say. I'm, to, I'm just going to go ahead and say that it, that was not supposed to be the explosion. And he's, and obviously, till, like you said, Tony was saying, you know, oh, there's only so much you can do with this. Then why do it? Then then why do it? You know, and again, I understand you didn't want these guys to die. <laughs> I get it. Um, but, you know, you could have done so much better with this to where it's safe.
1: And, like, even the little things, like, they could have had, like, you know how when Brock Suplex Big Show in the ring exploded and the ring yeah. really fell apart? They could have done that a little bit. They could have had the ring shake or something. But it just felt so underwhelming. Like I was watching, I'm like, oh my gosh. I like grabbed everybody that was around me, had them come watch this. And I'm just like, huh? (laughs) Like that's it? I thought it was going to be something a little bigger. And I understand, like you said, Tony Khan saying they didn't want anybody to die. But it felt like they were if this like a scale of one to 10 and like 10 being certain death and one being, they're going to stay absolutely safe for this explosion. They were closer to, they're more closer to one than 10. Like it felt like they tried to toe the line a little bit, but not completely get real close to it. And it set up an underwhelming, like, it set up an underwhelming kind of finish to the pay-per-view. Um, does it take away from the match for me? I don't know. I think the match itself was really good. I don't think it takes away that much, but like the ending itself, like I, come on, man, it was lame. It was it was lame. It was a lame ending.
0: It was lame, and the reason why it takes away a little bit from the match for me, just a little bit, is just because I mean I've only seen I haven't seen every single exploding barbed wire death match, but usually all of them has that explosion at the end. It's always the guy who loses being laid out on on the ring they're just losing, and then the timer goes off and it explodes. Um, and sometimes they make up for it. Like I, when Terry Funk and Cactus Jack and, you know, when they had an exploding barbed wire deathmatch and, and the explosion was a dud, they kept on going or whatever. I don't know. It's just that, you know, just seeing you know Eddie Kingston kind of sell it, especially with John Moxley kind of selling an explosion that was just nothing. It was almost kind of borderline hilarious just to watch them. Um, but again, the fact that I was honestly really hoping it was a dud and not that they used it as a storyline. And it seems like it's going to go that way. They explain it on dynamite, which we'll talk about literally in a couple seconds. Um, And you know, people are like, okay, we forgive you, whatever. Um, But it was a dud. The match itself was great. I loved it. It's one of my favorite matches of the year so far. Um, And, but the explanation was kind of a little bit of confuddled,
1: but i wanted to ask you, you know, um, overall, because you were there, what did you think of Revolution, like, being in, this, in the crowd, like, actually being able to watch it live?
0: It, w- it was an amazing experience. Um, Obviously, being there with fans, it was literally the, the second pay-per-view I've ever been to in a wrestling event, literally the first being uh, WrestleMania 28, when I was in Miami so many years ago. Um, so it was great being there, good seats as well. Um, and it, it's better known that we had some really good wrestling. We talked about the matches before. And having that main event be so grand and the match ended up being awesome uh, was great. I will say that, honestly, that dud explosion at the end maybe added to the experience a little bit just because you hearing the fans and interacting with them and and even recording it live there, it was an experience. And it's something like, again, it's going to be in AEW history forever. That's for damn sure. So being there as a part of history kind of, good to see. A good show overall. Is it my favorite... AEW pay-per-view I've seen maybe I'm biased because I was there it's definitely up there but we really didn't have a bad match here the worst match was that tag team match with Miro Kip Sabian and Cassidy and Taylor and that wasn't even that that really bad either so good stuff there got to see you know got to see all the major players it was great um but let's go ahead and move on to Dynamite now and the again the show right after Revolution kind of the you know the fallout of Revolution as you can say Uh, And this show starts off with a singles match of Matt Jackson versus Ray Phoenix. Again, Ray Phoenix and Pac, they won the casino tag team battle royale. They're going to get their shots at the tag team titles. These two have a match. Uh, JP, you watched Dynamite yesterday when it was live. I watched it today. Uh, I I think I remember you tweeting that it started off a little slower than you expected. Do you want to explain what that meant for you?
1: Yeah, it just felt like it started off real slow and, it kind of reminded me of the tag title match that they had where it starts off real slow, but then it goes super hot at the end. Um, that's kind of what I was feeling from that match. You know, I felt like they were trying to feel each other out, but it was a good match. I wouldn't say it's like match of the night, but it was a good match.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I, I definitely enjoyed it too. Listen, I, I'm i very excited. It's just weird just, you know, weird for me to see kind of like, you know, having one of the Young Bucks in a match by themselves without, you know, not being in a tag team match. It was really interesting to see. I thought these two had a good match. Again, it definitely had slow moments, but like kind of like that tag team match with the Young Bucks, Jericho and MGF, that second half of the match was way more uh, fast paced. Uh, these two kind of felt the rhythm, felt, you know, kind of the chemistry going on there. Um, we get to the end there where literally both opponents in the ring, they wipe out the their tag team partners on the outside. But then, you know, Ray Phoenix tells Matt to get back in here so they can fight. They trade super kicks, probably my favorite spot of the whole time, There, you know, the whole thing where, like, you know, Matt super kicks Phoenix, but Phoenix kind of kips up and, and super kicks Matt, uh, some good stuff there. But it ends up with Phoenix uh, doing a, a roundhouse kick on Jackson, and then he hits him with a super kick. Jackson tries to go for a Tombstone Piledriver, but Phoenix counters that with a sit-down version of the, of the Piledriver, and he beats him clean as a whistle. JP, so um, were you surprised at Phoenix winning this, or were you, were you, do you think it's a good setup for their match a little later on?
1: It's a good setup for their match. I don't think the Young Bucks, I don't think Matt or Nick, have a single win as a singles wrestler <laughs> Is that really? Is that in true? WWE history. I'll have to go back and check that, but... They're tag team specialists, you know. I didn't expect them to win. Um, Like I said, it was a good match. A good opener. It wasn't anything, like, out of the ordinary.
0: Right. So, again, again, we're both excited for that tag team match they're going to have later on for those titles. We move on to the main event caliber main event for AEW Dynamite, Cody Rhodes versus Seth Gargis. Okay. So, this match lasts maybe about, like, 35 seconds maybe.
1: Let's um check, go to cage he, match and see. You keep
0: go check about,
1: real quick but,
0: but it was good to see we actually see um Cody Rhodes give his belt to a to a fan, uh to a disabled fan on on the ringside. Awesome to see that as well. It was great to see that. Um and again, no entrance for Seth Gargas as well. You know, he pretty much before you say the the amount of time, what, how, what was it? How, how how long? You were close. Well, 30, 30, it was 50 seconds. 50 seconds. Okay. <laughs> so, so um, again, Cody, you know, he just, Gargus never really gets a thing into, to, you know, into Cody. But he does, uh, Cody does target the leg of Gargus, and then he puts him in the figure four leg lock, and he taps in a match. Um, but afterwards, we see Penta as Mierdo on the ca- Spanish commentary team. And he kind of takes off his his kind of headset and says, Hey, Cody, and he he tells one of the Spanish commentators to kind of a little bit of translation for him. And he interrupts. And he pretty much tells Rody that he that you know, that you lost uh, on Sunday at Revolution, if it was just me and you, you would lose again. Um, And he says that he would, you know, he would beat him up so bad that Cody wouldn't be able to hold his newborn baby girl. And when he heard that Cody just like immediately went after him and they just started him and Penta were just started fighting and people to you know separate them. So, they're having a St. Patrick's Day slam is what they're calling it next week and it's going to be Cody Rhodes versus Penta. Um I mean, sure. Why not? I mean, that sounds like it's going to be a banger, so I'm I'm cool with it. Uh, JP, thoughts on the? I mean, if you want to have your thoughts on, on a 50 second match, uh, but more so thoughts on the on, on a Cody Penta uh, match for next week.
1: I like that they're having these two guys feud because it's it seems like neither of them are doing anything now, especially with Cody out of that feud with um Shaq. Uh, if Cody makes this match mid, I will never forgive him. <laughs> Penta is one of my favorite wrestlers right now. He has the best luchador mask in wrestling, in my opinion. Um, if this match is mid, I'm going to be so mad. Like I, he'll, They'll never hear the end of it. Because I think this has the potential to be really good if they don't wrestle a traditional kind of slow to fast kind of style.
0: Yeah. You know, listen, from when it comes to me and Cody and Cody Rhodes uh respect the guys of Russell don't get me wrong um maybe a little bit overrated in my in my in my personal opinion just for me personally but when he goes he can really go hard and to me I, I don't see why having a Cody and Penta match it would not be a banger possibly match of the night so I I don't know if I might, might be on the same page with you. If, you if you don't put on a really good match here, I'm never gonna Forgive Cody. I mean, I don't forgive Cody already for having a crap entrance theme with Snoop Dogg, but you know, it's you not know.
1: bad.
0: It's bad, bro. It's bad. It, it, it's, 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 it's not, it's not good.
1: <laughs> I didn't hear it on TV.
0: You, you hear it, man. I hear, I hear, like, you know, I, I don't even hear, I wasn't even a big fan of Cody's original entrance theme. It was good, but I'm just like, you know, it's whatever. And then I'm just like, I wish that theme is back now because of Snoop Dogg. Why is Snoop Dogg gotta do this?
1: It's not even that bad.
0: It's just it's annoying, man. I don't even know what he's saying. I, I can't even hear what he's saying. It's just I don't know, man. It, it's better than so fresh, y'all. So fresh y'all, Snoop Dogg. You know, it's better than that, at least. Um, it's bad, JP. It's bad. So move on. <laughs> we'll move on to Tony Schiavone interviewing Sting after their win at Dynamite there. Um he doesn't, you know, he doesn't even get a thing in because Lance Archer, with Jake the Snake Roberts comes out and says, you know, um, he's kind of interrupting him and giving a, a pseudo threat uh, to Sting there. And he's going to say, well, I'm going to prove why I'm the face of the revolution, not Scorpio Sky, because he was in the latter match. Um, and afterwards, Sting just ends the promo, you know, having nothing else to say. Uh, briefly on that, JP, by the way, I'm if this sets up a Sting-Lance Archer match, I- I'm worried for Sting. I'm even more worried for that match than I am for the street fight. Uh, kind of brief thoughts in that. What, what did you make of that?
1: Lance Archer's going to send Sting to God. <laughs> if they haven't met... Ma- oh, my God. <laughs> Sting was like, you know what? I took a powerbomb from Brian Cage. Throw me straight to the deep end with Lance Archer. It's fine. I'll just have my back turn into one of those... Um, Fruit roll-ups at the end of the at the end of the match. I mean, it's gonna be cool, kind of promos leading up to it, because I think Lance Archer is massively underrated. But yeah, he's gonna send them to God. That's just, especially if it's like a live match.
0: Yeah, N- not gonna be good for Sting. <laughs> but we move on. We move on, and we have Ethan Page have his debut match in AEW, a one-on-one match against Lee Johnson with actually, QT Marshall.
1: Actually, it was Spurs Mavericks featuring Ethan Page versus Lee Johnson.
0: Right. Excuse me. Excuse me. Um, so this time, you know, I was kind of watching it back, and I heard kind of people kind of say this on, on Twitter and social media and stuff like that. I, I, as I was watching this match, I'm like, why am I hearing defense? <laughs> defense. Defense. I was like, what is that? And I guess they had like some NBA thing ongoing, I guess, in the broad feed or whatever. Um, So that's going on throughout the match. That sucks to see. Whatever. Um, These two, not not a bad match here. In in the meanwhile, we're seeing a little kind of uh, tension between QT Marshall and the whole Nightmare family as a whole. He kind of left Dustin Rhodes during the Casino Battle Royale and Revolution. Uh, Comes to a moment where, like, I think it comes to a moment where Lee sends Lee uh page sends lee out to the ring and he just looks at qt marshall asking for help and he's not giving him any help you know and then we get to the end there where page um uh th- does a razor's edge for the win and qt marshall just simply walks off as ethan page is laying on uh onto johnson at the end of the match Dustin Rhodes eventually comes out for for the save there and helps him out he looks at qt marshall like what's going on he walks away Uh, Thoughts on the match, JP, and thoughts on what's going on with QT Marshall? Uh, Do you care or do you not care?
1: Um, It's really unfortunate that this match was interrupted by the wrong audio playing because it was the debut of a recently signed wrestler for AEW. Um, I thought it was fine. It served its purpose. I kind of don't care about this QT Marshall thing because I kind of don't care about QT Marshall. So... Cool, I guess, but Ethan Page is going to be a huge player in the AEW uh, division, Miz division, for a long time.
0: Yeah. um, I don't care the whole QZ Marshall thing. I mean, if they make it interesting, good for them. That'd, that'd be great, but I don't know. The whole Nightmare Family stuff, it's kind of like, you know, they really have to convince me that I should be interested, but good seeing Ethan I Page get a win there. The Say it again?
1: How do you even get put in the Nightmare Family? That's um, I guess you
0: got to get recruited. I don't know. Sounds like a um, but obviously yeah it probably is but obviously <laughs> this kind of started in that Casino Tag Team Battle Royale when I think that he actually, he, also, he eliminated both of the Gun family and Dustin Rose kind of got a little mad at him for that so we'll see how that goes so before we get to uh, we'll hear from Christian Cade with Tony Schiavone we got a little bit of a promo earlier of John Moxley and Eddie Kingston uh, in a house with a little bit of a fire uh, in, in, in kind of the front of them and they pretty much explain what happened. You know, they're kind of saying how, you know, that was a terrible explosion, and they're blaming Kenny for it. Eddie was explained what happened. He said he passed out because, um, you know, he he was watching his friend about to maybe get blown to shreds. He compared like he said the last time I blacked out in that type of situation, I was in a jail cell in my hometown doing some of that sort of stuff. I mean, when Eddie Kingston talks, you listen, and it's always great. So seeing Eddie Kingston kind of ex- kind of explain what happened was really cool. Moxley, you know, says that you know while the explosion was terrible, I didn't I didn't win back my AEW championship. I still got my drinking buddy back. Awesome to see those two kind of do that. He says, you know, he was talking about the T-shirt. He's also wearing that exploding barbed wire deathmatch T-shirt. Good to see that too as well. Uh, he says, you know. It, it, all that match created that was good was this lousy t-shirt kind of cool design though but that's the that, the greatest thing after the match that i created was this t-shirt not the explosion itself um so good to see that as well i think they said at one point that they said that impact made the explosion happen and was like okay burn yeah <laughs> okay oh my god that was pretty funny oh, when i saw that
1: i didn't even see that
0: oh did you not did you not hear that oh no, like, yeah that's what they said
1: impact now, Impact is yes, strays for no reason.
0: Poor Impact. They're going to lose their champion, too. Uh, we'll talk oh. about that, actually, in a, in a little bit as well. But, yeah, uh, they blame Impact as well for, to, for the explosion as well. Um, but we move on. Tony Shimani is supposed to be talking to Christian uh, Christian Cage. He doesn't come out. Who comes out? It's Kenny Omega, the good brothers, and Don Callis to get to the ring. They have their own uh, side of the, um, of the explanation of what happened. And he pretty much, Don Callis pretty much is like the sneaky politician that he kind of acts out to be. He was kind of covering it up and saying that that we took away what what Moxley and Kingston wanted. They wanted that heroic ending that they you know they're gonna go off into the into the sunset as as these dying champions or whatever. And they took that from him. And he says we're looking at social media and and stuff like that. And we glad we took that that feeling away from you that you want to see this big explosion and you're left with sparklers, you know, and stuff like that. Uh there was no explosion, like we just said, um Moxley didn't be a martyr stuff, you know. Um and then omega pretty much says the exact same thing Callus calls um uh kenny omega the king of death matches he calls him that um who comes out of Eddie kinks and he interrupts omega um and pretty much is a form with disadvantage and I, at one point Callus is telling uh eddie kinks and like i'm gonna give you this one chance to go right now and not be and not get your ass kicked by these by these three guys. Remember when I had you in Impact, okay? And then and then I I, I fired you and stuff like that. Whatever. Uh. But I see the the potential in you. You're great. I like you, which is why I'm asking you to leave. And Eddie Kingston just like you know screw that. And um, Omega gets to the mic guess. Says what do you hope to achieve? What do you hope to achieve for you? I know you want to punch me, so go ahead and punch me. I'm giving mean, this one shot. And Eddie Omega, uh, Eddie Omega. I said Eddie Kingston sucker punches. Uh, Kenny Omega right in the face, the good brothers attack him. Who comes out? Moxley. Um, And then as they start to kind of get a little bit of a blow, which by the way, I missed the best part here because Don Callis says, uh, You have 10 seconds to leave the ring. If not, these guys get blown up. And they have like the counter. Do you hear the the counter of 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, whatever? And I don't know why Kenny Omega said this, okay? I think you know what I'm about to say here. I don't know why he, I don't know why he said this, but like he was, uh, he was down on the mat like Moxley was on Sunday, and then he was. They wanted to recreate what Eddie Kingston and Moxley did, so he said he said to Don Callis, he said, "69 me, Don." <laughs> I and I thought I was I was hearing wrong. I was like, what did he just say? He said that. And obviously, he, he kind of does it a little bit, but not really. Um, but obviously, that's when they start to beat him up, and Moxley comes in and saves it. Uh, and as Moxley and Kingston wipe out the Good Brothers, and Kenny Omega's left in the ring with his title, who comes out is Christian Cage? He comes in with his music. He comes out to the ring. He stares down Omega. They're talking. Uh, Omega actually gives him a hand to shake. and Cage, you can see, he says, I'm not shaking your hand. And then he tries to punch uh, Christian, but Christian almost turns it into an unprettier. And but Don Callis gets uh, Omega's feet and drags him out. And you know Christian there is is left with the title, and he just looks at it and just lets it go, and he, and he does a celebration. Um, so uh, listen, the whole the kind of explaining what happened with the explosion, I, I, it's better that they at least make it a storyline fine the fact but i'm glad that i'm hoping that it was again like we said before the revolution show that it was a dud and now they're just trying to right the wrongs of that dud um not that it was always supposed to be a terrible explosion or maybe they're covering their ass i have no idea but they're making the best with it i'm in this by the way it's just a weird sort of call out here but i'm in this bleacher report recap thing and he said that the explanation was weak whatever to He said it resembled an overthinker trying to explain why Joss Whedon's Justice League di- cut didn't suck. <laughs> it just a oh re- interesting call out. And it, if you know me personally, you know that I'm I'm mean, I'm always about that the whole Snyder cut and stuff like that. It's just a weird little kind of cut call out there. Kind of true, I guess. Um, but the thoughts about Christian versus Kenny Omega for the title. Um, gets me like all jittered up, all excited. The fact that we we're possibly gonna get get to see this is great. Now let me ask you a question, JP. First of all, what did you think of the segment? What do you think of the segment overall? What do you think of it of a Christian Kenny Omega title match in the in the possible future? And do you think having Christian right put with what seems like right put in the in the title main title picture? Do you think that's good? Do you think that's bad? What do you think?
1: So I actually thought this segment was really funny. Wrestling has been on some other stuff this year. First, we have my hole, and now we have 69, me, Don. What's next? I don't even want to ponder that. But wrestling has been wild. They need Jesus. Um. Honestly, I was kind of against Christian being in that main event team right away. But now that I think about it, like, who else is there that Kenny hasn't beaten? Because I think he's beaten Lance Archer already. Ray Phoenix is in the tag team. Um, he lost to Pac, but Pac is in a tag team. He's beaten Moxley. He'll probably beat Eddie Kingston. Um,
0: but,
1: who, else I, did, I feel, who else is there to separate him from Hangman?
0: I was just about to say that Hangman's the other one. I, there isn't really. So, I mean, yeah.
1: I mean, I get it. Um. Plus, it's a good opportunity for Christian to showcase that he can still go. So, initially, I was against it, but now I'm like, okay, I get it. I I can see that happening. I guess, like, storyline-wise, there's nobody else really for him to
0: beat. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, I mean, I have no – um, there's no objection for me, man. I mean, having a guy like Christian go up against Kenny Omega for the title – Uh, Listen, I'm cool with it. So no, no, you know, again, no objections from me for, for sure. Um, But we move on to a six woman tag team match. Like again, we kind of set up a revolution. We have Britt Baker, Maki Ito and Nala Rose versus Shida Thunder Rosa and Rio Mizunami as soon as we get the entrances for the heels. We get Britt Baker's entrance. We get Nyla Rose's entrance. Mikey Ito gets does her entrance. She's performing. She's singing her song. And the faces come out and are beating up the heels in the ring. But Ito is still performing on this, on the ramp. The probably the most surreal thing I've ever seen in my life is seeing Mikey Ito perform. <laughs> As her friends or her uh, partners are getting beat up in the ring, whatever. But she she finishes the crowd cheer. She gets in the ring and she gets into the action there. Um, uh, not 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 a bad match here. Um, but we get to the ending there. As uh, the, you know, again the baby faces they really start this um matchup pretty kind of you know controlling the whole pace of this. Um, but we have Baker Rose I need to actually win the heels win again here. After the match, action broke down again. The women getting their, you know, offenses in. Rose plants Ito. Um, Rosa plants Ito as well. And after the match, again, like we just said, Baker blasts Rosa with a crutch right to the back there. Applies uh, the lockjaw. And as, as soon as this is well, like, it is like punching Rosa, like, in the leg or something. Which, I mean, okay, you know, you do you. You know, you're, you're doing great um and afterwards the heel stand tall but still the faces do win the match here as as Rosa pins Ito for the win here but the but the heel stand tall thoughts on the match um well actually, before we do that this sets up the first ever women's main event for AEW Dynamite, Dynamite next week a lights out unsanctioned match between Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa two thumbs up for me thoughts on the match itself JP and afterwards and that match for next week
1: um match was cool uh, Maki Ito is the best. That's one of my main observations. Maki Ito is the best. And so is Ryo, Mizuna- Ryo Mizunami. And everyone that matches actually um it was a fine match. Um kinda didn't like that the heels beat up the faces after like after the fact they won. I don't know. Uh, I guess it advanced the storyline, but I don't know why Nyla Rose and Biggie Guerrero were beating up on Thunder Rosa. I mean, what did Thunder Rosa do to them? So, I mean, I'm honestly 100% excited for this women's match main event, the unsanctioned match between Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa. Um, Their match a few weeks ago was brutal, intense, physical. I expect much more of that in this unsanctioned match. It's going to be interesting to see how they do it on TV instead of on pay-per-view, they might just say, like, it'd be pretty funny to say, like, on the, you know, how the TV guide shows that AW goes until 10. It'd be funny if they, like, had it, like, cut off at, like, 9.30 or, like, 9.45, mm-hmm. but they just keep airing it because it's lights out as unsanctioned. So it'd be pretty cool for them to do that, kind of play into it. I don't know how they do that. I just brainstorming. But I'm excited for that match because, it's the best feud that it, the AEW women's division's ever had. So I'm excited.
0: I'm excited too, man. Again, we've um, <laughs> been talking about kind of the one of the problems with AEW has been kind of the acknowledgment or the sh- or shining the women's division. The talent there was really great, um, but they're not giving the acknowledgment it deserves. Having this being the main event, especially with two people on the level of women's wrestling that like Britt Baker and a Thunder Rosa... It's great to have, and having that stipulation is really good as well. Uh, but we move on to the main event TNT championship match Scorpio Sky versus Darby Allen. Scorpio Sky grabbed an actual brass ring, uh, to get this opportunity of revolution, so he'll face off against Darby Allen here. Darby Allen's coming off of, a, of an amazing street fight, so uh, obviously, this he starts it off early Before the match, though they actually uh fist bump respect cool to see uh we, at the moment scorpio sky i guess is still a phase um but scorpio sky dominates pretty early here and but the champion he you know he hip tosses about his, of a, out of a submission hold attempting a comeback scorpio cuts him off uh really balanced up uh, match between the two guys alan andrews with a stunner falls with a sunset flip the bumper in near fall uh, throughout the match, Allen is really challenging him with these pinning predicaments. Uh, Scorpio Sky does a, does a trio of German suplexes before Allen fights out of it. Uh, Sky reestablishes control and probably the most brutal spot of the match for me, which I, I when I was watching this, it really kind of stood out to me. Scorpio Sky does a German suplex to Darby Allen onto the turnbuckle. Oh. And you saw Darby Allen's head like bounce off the middle turn. I'm like, well, okay, that, that was awesome. I, I thought that was a great spot there. Um, Allen tries a baseball slide, uh, but but Sky, you know, kind of with a cutter on the floor. That was really cool as well. Scorpius Sky, good performance here. Uh, Sky adds a brain buster back inside the ring. Could not put Allen down, though, for the three moments later. He tries for the TKO, but Allen counters to a small package for the one, two, three. Darby Allen is still your TNT champion. Afterwards, the champion tries to show Sky uh, some respect. He kind of, like, Goes up to him with the title, and he kind of just slaps him on the back, you know, for respect, whatever. Sky comes out, and he he pretty much trips him from the leg, and does like a and does a leg submission hold, and he is not letting go. Aubrey Edwards and all the officials are trying to pull him off, um, but it, the damage is already done. Sky stares at his hands for a moment, he flashes a smile, and he leaves, and he leaves out of the heel tunnel, which I think it's Tony Schiavone or Excalibur. They they pretty much kind of point that out as we get to the, to the main event segment, um, but pretty much showing that he's a heel. Thoughts on the match, JP?
1: Um, It was a fine match. I feel like, <clears throat> excuse me, it feels like they could have done more, but I don't think this is the end of their feud, especially with Scorpio Sky turning heel. It was a great way to establish him as a singles star now. Which I think he should have been well due for. I mean, on AEW Dark, he was just kind of beating up uh, Griff Garrison. So, not really who, much. To who, do. I know. Who is Griff Garrison? But, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that he got this opportunity to kind of showcase himself in a singles match on Dynamite. Wanted them to win a little bit, but the heel turn is re- really well done. And, it's definitely not going to be the end of Darby Allen versus Scorpio Sky.
0: Yeah. You know, the reason I want to compare to what's happening with Scorpio Sky to what's happening with Apollo Crews and. Because I feel if they're going to get the title uh they should get the title in their full kind of gimmick not being like having that turn of like cuz right you know the first two title matches i think that apollo cruz got with big e he was kind of like on the edge there he was approaching heel but he was still kind of the face character he didn't get into the real gimmick yet but now that apollo cruz is in, is in his kind of like form of his uh gimmick right now i wouldn't mind him having the title same with scorpio sky let's have it be a true heel here and then I wouldn't mind him seeing with the TNT title. I wouldn't even mind seeing a second match here because I thought this match, this kind of the main event today was pretty entertaining. It showcased ch- case a lot of what Scorpio Sky can do and pretty much kind of validated for me that this guy could definitely be a, mid- a mid-card champion, the TNT champion there as well. Don't mind it as well. We move on to the main event. Same with the Inner Circle War Council. Chris Jericho and MGF, they lost at Revolution against the Young Bucks for the titles. They feel like change needs to happen. They all come into the ring, and they and Chris Jericho kind of leads it. He introduces like the proceedings. He says, "When when an army, you know, they they're in the steady decline. They have a war council so they can redirect the plans of what they want to do. So whether that means uh, doing some stuff to the inner circle, maybe that means adding a new member to the inner circle." And MJF cuts him off. He says, well, "I don't think this. I don't think the inner circle needs a uh, a new." person to the group I think it needs someone to be let go and as soon as it says that Sammy Guevara's music hits he comes out and he says and Chris Jericho says what are you doing out here you know you're dead to us he's I need to show you something I need to show you something Chris I know you hate me to, and the last person you want to see, but I need to show you this please look he looks at it and it's MJF telling <laughs> it's MJF telling um Santana Ortiz and Jake Hager that uh okay it's like a secret video that Sammy Guevara, in the locker room, or whatever, that we're going we're to turn on Chris Jericho and you know, we're, we're going to kick him out of the inner circle. So MGF says, Um, I didn't want you to know like this, Chris, but it has to happen. Get him, boys. And he tells Jake Hager at Santana Ortiz and Santana Ortiz and Jake Hager they look like they're about to be Chris Jericho, but then they turn their backs and they're standing with Chris Jericho alongside with Sammy Guevara. And MGF is just like, He's, he's looking all crazy. Um, and he <laughs> This is this a great segment. And then he he's kind of trying to you know talk his way out of it, like, like, like the heel like he does was going to do. And then they kind of corner him, and, and then he drops on the floor. He says, please, 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 I, I, I never wanted to do this to you. I never wanted to destroy the inner circle because I was creating my own. And then the lights turn off. They turn back on. We see FTR, Sean Spears, and Tully Blanchard in the ring. And then they start going at it and MGF is perched onto one of the, one of the turnbuckles he's just watching as FTR Sean Spears uh, who sets up a chair on, on the corner on the bottom and he sends Sammy Guevara's face right through the chair um, they absolutely destroy him and then and they're still in the ring MGF he busts open Chris Jericho with that dynamite diamond ring he gets the baseball head and adds it to the midsection and to the face setting him out of the ring where Jericho is all bloodied up now uh, we get to the end there. They go to the ramp and Wardlow power bombs Jericho off the ramp onto some tables, and that is the ending result. We see MGF alongside with his new group. MGF outsmarting people. I love to see it. JP, what did you think of this?
1: This was a phenomenal segment. He um, had so many twists and turns. That's really what I got from it. I was like, oh, no, Sammy's back. Uh, are they going to try and beat Sammy up? Then I saw he had a video. I'm like, oh, MJF has done something to the video. Then they see the video. I was like, oh, no, they're going to beat up Jericho and Sammy. And then they turn I'm like, oh, they're going to beat up MJF. And I'm like, oh, wow, MJF has this thing of his own. Um, I'm excited to see where this goes. Um, I don't think this is going to go to another stadium stampede match. I think that's a little too gimmicky. They could do a blood and guts match, because that was something that was supposed to happen that we could have that between the inner circle and I guess they're the new four horsemen. Although, man, imagine being Sean Spears in this case. You are <laughs> worst of the four horsemen. <laughs> You're the worst of the four. So like, I'm excited to get FTR versus Santana and Ortiz. Um, eventually we're gonna get that MGF sammy Guevara match. We're gonna get MGF versus Chris Jericho. But, you know, I was really happy, like, and had the heels outsmart the faces without the faces looking stupid. And it shows that MGF did learn something from Chris Jericho while he was there.
0: Right. Um, I love this. You know me. You know me and MGF. Great stuff here. Um, I thought would I, I thought it would have been fine for me if they just ended up beating him up at the end you know it was just kind of like okay cool you know mGf is gonna be on his own maybe now whatever he turns it on them he has his own group I mean listen um I wonder if the whole thing with mgf because because again if this whole new group like I know you made a joke it's gonna be like the outer circle or something like that um where whatever, whatever the name is gonna be I if think if, if he if mgf kind of diminishes that afterwards. I really wouldn't like that. I really am enjoying that group. I like MGF with FTR with Sean Spears and having Tully Blanchard and Wordlow in there. That's a pretty dominant faction. I, I I'm I'm cool with that. And listen, just put the tag team titles right back in FTR. MGF can have the AEW World Championship. Nope. no. Nope. Woo. I love that. When
1: you make Sean Spears, the TNT champion. And I would have to go down to AW and drop kick Tony Khan
0: for that. Oh man. I mean, I already want to drop kick Tony, Tony Khan right now, but um, <laughs> I listen. I, I thought it was great. Great ending to the inner circle world council. And again, like you said, you named of all the matches that could possibly happen, FTR and Santana and Ortiz, MGF and Jericho or Guevara, uh, some other matches. I guess we'll see another maybe Warlow and Hager, which I don't want to see. But maybe we'll see that again.
1: Sean Spears banger on the way.
0: I mean, I'm not a huge Sean Spears fan, whatever. If he just hits people with chairs, okay, fine. Um, But, again, I think that's going to be an absolute dynamite rivalry between those two factions. I'm excited to see it. And that's AEW Dynamite. So... That's it. We, re- we recapped Revolution. We gave our thoughts on that. We gave our thoughts on Dynamite. Uh, we also had a crazy episode of NXT, also Raw. We're getting SmackDown tomorrow. We're going to do a weekend review show like we usually do, but it's going to be for those three shows. It's going to be for Raw, for NXT, and for SmackDown. So keep on the lookout for that. I'm going to throw an idea at you, JP, that I- I've been having for a long time for a future video. Okay. Screw it. I'll ask you it live. Not really live, but you know what I'm saying. Recording it. Um, I was thinking of doing a video. Uh, or just a podcast, whatever, of doing our AEW WWE match dream matches, having our own card, uh, for it because obviously it's always kind of been rumored. You know, we see, you know, Cody Rhodes and Kenny Omega saying, Why can't it happen? We see Triple H saying it's open for business, whatever. We see Moxley saying it's never going to (laughs) happen, but what. What are, what are the dream matches? I, I teased one on the on the Yellow and the Cell account on our Twitter that I really want to see. And I'll just spoil right now. It's Roman Reigns versus Kenny Omega. I'll explain more why I want that if we do this video. But would you be down to do that?
1: Absolutely. I'd be down for it. Especially considering, like, I'm thinking of tag team matches right now. And, oh, my goodness. We could go insane with these.
0: I mean, new day with anybody, really. But... um it, the, the the possibilities are endless so we should do that soon whether that be this weekend or a little bit later but keep on the lookout for that if you're listening to us you can find us on twitter at yell underscore sell youtube like comment and subscribe if you enjoy our content comment what do you want to see more from us tier making videos top 10 videos we're, we're we're open for business get tell us what you want us to do again like comment subscribe Yell on the sell. uh give us a follow leave us a review on on spotify whatever you you, you stream podcasts anchor we're everywhere uh for, for me g- give me a follow at zach weinberger on twitter zach with an right for the university press uh freelance writer for the jewish fort interesting article that that is in the works right now involving wrestling i'm excited to share once we get more details there um and just great stuff. Just find and find me. Again, I also do a nerd pod with Jacob Brown at the nerd pod. who falls on Twitter. JP's Twitter is at acosta 32 underscore JP. What else do you want to promote?
1: Um, I write at big cat country. I talk about the NFL, specifically the Jaguars, but basically the NFL in general, i trying to get into more writing about some other things. If you ever see, see me on Twitter talking about random stuff, that's probably what I'm doing. I also write for the university press. I'm on almost every podcast. I'm making my way around slowly. But, yeah, you can find me basically on Twitter, at Acosta32 underscore – I can't even get my own thing right. <laughs> Acosta32 underscore JP. Um, I post memes. Um, yeah, I think I'm pretty cool. So you should give me a follow.
0: And absolutely, listen, please give him a follow. He's a Jaguars fan. He suffers already enough. Um, please. Obviously, listen, JP Acosta, you could say he's all elite as well. I mean, the Jaguars play right next – Get the
1: graphic ready. J.P. Acosta's on you. <laughs> I am. I was Jackson DeVille. It wasn't
0: Isaiah. <laughs> there we go. We, someone should make that graphic right now. One more thing, though, at Revolution, they tease the next AEW pay-per-view, Double or Nothing, 2021, May 30th at Daily's Plays. And one more thing I wanted to share. One, one thing that I got at the Revolution show was actually the DVD for Double or Nothing 2019, the first ever AEW show. I'm watching it right now. It's great. Just watch the Cody-Dustin Rhodes match. Obviously a classic there. Good stuff there. But that's going to do it for us here at Yell in a Cell. Give us a follow. Again, follow us on every single platform. We'll see you guys later.